Hello and welcome back to episode 18 of Off The Tape Podcast. This is Spencer Ash Jones, your host. Joining me is our editor and our co-host, Tibet and Steph. You guys have a number 18 provider of fans and listeners for this magical episode? Yes. Dennis Savard. <laughs> what a beautiful man. Montreal well, Canadian yes, centerman. Well, yes, it's uh, correctly pronounced, and Denis Savard. <laughs> I will never. <laughs> you would have had to definitely eat a hot wing that was 2 million plus Scoville. And I'll do it again. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. Oh, I'm wishing for it, bud. <laughs> uh, and then I guess on my end, I will do the uh, recent new Stanley Cup champion, Andre Palat from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Ooh, solid pick there. A, I thought I'd give a shout-out. I mean, I know that uh, he's been on that team for a while and fully deserved that cup. <laughs> well, the, uh, the number 18 that I'm going to go with from the Charlestown Chiefs in Jeff Hansen, the character portrayed by uh, ex-hockey player Jeff Carlson in the Slapshot hockey movie. Hey, that's actually an unreal pick. I'm going to give that one to you. We, I just got bamboozled. <laughs> Do you know? Have you ever seen Slapshot Tibet? It's worth it. Um, I, I'm not going to give any comments on that. <laughs> Come on, it starts I may Paul or may Newman. not have. Yeah, I've definitely never seen it. <laughs> That's okay. It came out in 1977. Jesus. Yeah, very, very much a classic uh, in the hockey lore of movies that exist. My mom was like eight years old <laughs> when that came out. <laughs> uh, well, see, actually, it's was... funny because uh, former NHL coach Boost Boudreaux, he actually had a, uh, he was an extra in the movie. Oh, nice, baby Bruce Boudreaux. Well, yeah, back when he was in shape and he wasn't having Hawk and Dawes for breakfast. <laughs> that's the dream, man. That's he's still so, that is the dream. so legendary. Well, yeah, I so Tibet. So at one point uh, for NHL, when they had their outdoor games always on uh, New Year's Day. They always had mm-hmm. uh, who was always hosting it. it wasn't ESPN? Was I think it? it was NBC. It was NBC. Yeah, NBC. So NBC always had a twenty-four-seven show that they ran. Uh, just following the nice. two the two teams going up, and so the funny thing was that they wound up having following the Capitals and Penguins one year, and one day they're following Boudreaux leading up to Christmas holidays. So he takes his two sons to a shopping mall, and it's like nine thirty ten a.m. and he's going like, "Don't tell your mother I don't have a gift yet." It's like, let alone seeing this live now, you know, <laughs> on the show. <laughs> but he told them like nine thirty ten. The first thing like the first thing that they stop by is like, "Ooh." You boys want some Hagen dazs And it's like, it's 10 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest with the you. Life. There have been one or two times where I have had Hagen dazs on a hot summer day at 9 a.m. in the morning, and it is the most pleasant thing in the world. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it is. I've never done it. That sounds amazing. I recommend it. Especially I don't think I've ever had ice cream before noon. <laughs> well, yeah, same. I, you guys are same. missing out. I'm telling you right now, you got to try it at least once. It's worth it. I'm gonna just do it when it's like negative thirty out, and I'll just like walk outside with the Hagen dazs in my hand. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Well, it's a negative and a negative, right? Can't yep. get your hand cold if it's already frozen. Exactly. <laughs> that's very true, actually. Yeah, now that now that you mention it, but yeah, Spencer, I guess we should probably get into things for this podcast. Uh, not as much news to talk about, except for 
you know, a couple of the headlines coming out of the NHL about rumors for the uh, potential format of the upcoming season, because I think like we mentioned on our last podcast and guess so correctly that, you know, the NHL is, you know, on the clock with the NBA already having announced their plans moving forward from December 22nd. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, they're having a really rush and push things. Well, the only thing they had uh, several meetings going on in the past week there and all that's really said and done is that there's still no confirmation confirmation or any like movements really. It's just, you know, kind of, I think they're just more agreeing to certain things, but no like lead up to anything. They're still really attempting for, so like the only thing they really confirmed, they're still attempting to just begin on New Year's Day, but yeah. you know, it's, uh, <laughs> Time's you know, it's getting tight. <laughs> tick, 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 tick. Yeah, I know. And, and, I don't, there's not much more that we can actually comment on this. I mean, you, you hear the rumors of the Canadian League for all the Canadian teams, and then you hear of, well, in America, it seems like the president's just going to let things go. So will any NHL teams in the United States request that a certain capacity of fans be allowed to get some revenue? It's just all things that the uh, league has to float around and, and see how it's going to operate. So uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what the NHL comes up with. And I think until then, we can just leave it at that and kind of wait to comment until they break the news because, you know, it is what it is for the time being, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, so we go from, uh, realistically, well, you know, something that we were just talking about past few days and everything. Well, while we were in the uh, cold days of the hockey season... Uh, or cold days of the off season. Let's turn up the heat and let's see who's on the hot seats nowadays. Yeah, actually, I, I think, and that's something. Yeah, you're right. That's something we were talking about. And then we said, well, why not for the podcast go through every single NHL team and just see not just which head coaches are on the hot seat, but which GMs might also be on the way out in even a, in a shortened season. Like we have to take that into account, right? We have to take into account that the NHL might do 70 games, they might do 48 games. Who would be on the hot seat in such a season? You know, would a team take advantage and just say, ah, screw it, we can get them out of here and start creating a new culture slowly? Or will no teams do it at all? But we're going to get into it and talk about the possibility of, of, uh, of who is on the way out. And, I, yeah, I'm excited to kind of go through each team and, and see what's happening. Well, yeah, like, uh, you know, as we just were looking it up and everything. But, you know, for, for talking about the head coaches in the league here, 16 of the 31 teams have a head coach who has coached one or less years with the team. So either one season under their belt or are starting uh, their first season coming up. Um, well, actually, it's only a couple guys. Uh, so the ones who, have, who were just recently hired were Peter Laviolette with the Capitals and Lindy Ruff with the New Jersey Devils. I will just say Lindy Ruff won't last more than like two seasons. <laughs> but skipping <laughs> along that. Uh, <laughs> Oof. Shots fired. Uh, I mean, it's 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 rough having him behind the bench. So, ha! Oh my God, get get out of here. But yeah, so it's definitely going to be kind of interesting. And I mean, not just along those lines. There is about I I looked at it. There's 13 general managers which have been there since 2018 as well. So there's still plenty of plenty of fresh managers around. So it's going to be kind well, of GMs interesting. last so much longer too than head coaches, right? Exactly. So we're probably going to be talking a little bit more about the ones that have been there for a little while, also depending on the direction that a team is going and just the trust that that team might have in them. So I guess we can start off with the uh, Anaheim Ducks here. And, um, you know, they have a very recent head coach. And so how did you, 
they have a very recent head coach and in Dallas Eakins, and I just don't see him going anywhere this season. You know, I, I think they're just going to keep him around. But I think that the interesting one to look at is one of the longest tenured uh, GMs in the NHL, if not the longest, actually. Third uh, longest. Actually, no, the third longest. Sorry, thank you for correcting me. Uh, Bob Murray. What do you think about him? Well, how long do you think he even has? Even on Eakins, I like I because I know Eakins. He was always highly favored and well-liked in the AHL, but it has not transitioned at all to the NHL. So, no. at least for Eakins, yeah, he's safe this season, but I don't see him being long-term there ever in the NHL. But no. I think Bob Murray, I think his time is kind of maybe coming to an end here. Yeah. Um, you know, he's been with the team since November of 2008. So, that's coming up to 12, if not 13 seasons then under his belt. And Again, that's 2008, so he joined the team after they won the Stanley Cup, so he's only shown a couple of uh, conference final pe- conference finals appearances, and it's as far as he's gotten under them. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. I don't know if they're going to have the heart to do it in the middle of a shortened season, potentially, but maybe next summer, especially if Anaheim does have another down year, I could definitely see him uh, heading out the door. Um, I think... Uh, Moving on to Arizona, Bill Armstrong. I'm gonna I'm gonna say they will not fire a guy they hired on September seventeenth, twenty twenty. But <laughs> hey, it's Arizona, so you never know. Uh, and uh, Rick Tockett, uh, who I mean, Arizona kind of had an up year last year. They've lost Taylor Hall, but uh, I just I don't see them maybe I don't see them firing Rick Tockett either. I, I feel like he's well liked in the dressing room and. The record, the record, they, he just doesn't deserve that record. It's just there's just been too much fluctuation in that organization for them to blame it on the coach in any way. Well, I believe he's also quite cheap as well. So yeah. for a team like Arizona, where they're having to be on a very strict budget right now due to COVID and well, just in general being the Coyotes, um, I just don't see them willing to uh, relieve him anytime soon, and having yeah. to you know carry over that penalty and everything. Of uh, having well, just having hold on and keep paying them if they happen to fire him. But no, like you said, he's he's really well liked in the dressing room. There, it's just unfortunately hasn't translated to the same success on the ice, mainly yeah. in large part due to injuries there and all. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's just it, it's been very hard for him. So I uh, I don't think he goes though. What, so you don't think he goes either? No, no, no. I think they'll still give him benefit of the doubt. Because he's still, well, he's also coming up into the last year of his contract, though, too. So he's due for a new uh, extension. Yeah, so, I mean, this season, I, I think that, uh, I, I don't think he, I don't think the hot seat gets too hot for him. I, I think the, if anything, it only gets hot because of the heat in Arizona. So uh, I think we could just leave it, leave it there and, and kind of start to think of, I, I think that, you know, Arizona well, actually, well, I'm just thinking here because it's it's the last year of his contract. So why why fire the guy if it's not going anywhere when you just let yeah. him walk, right? Again, we're yeah. we're talking here about coaches being fired. So yeah, exactly. So I think that that kind of maybe puts that to bed, and then we can maybe move on to uh, a team that starts with a B like bed, the Boston Bruins. Uh, Don Sweeney, the GM, has been around since 2015. Uh, obviously, he came in. Um, well, 2015, I mean, uh, the, the Bruins lost in the final in 2015, but they also uh, they also lost in the final to the St. Louis Blues uh, last, well, before last season. So it's kind of interesting, you know. Krug, they lost him. They couldn't re-sign him. 
obviously during flat cap, they might, I mean, Zdeno Char is still pondering his future. What happens next year if the Boston Bruins don't make the playoffs? Because, you know, some players there have aged. You know, Patrice Bergeron is 35. He's on the wrong side of the 30s, you could say now. Uh, wrong side of the... 35, even. <laughs> yeah. Exa- well, yeah, sorry. Wrong side of your 30s. Wrong half. I didn't uh, say that correctly. Uh, and then you got Bruce Cassidy, who's been around since 2017. But was, I always say Bruce Cassidy, man, just very fortunate to have come into the team that was just built that well during the last couple of years. So I don't know if there will be changes in Boston, but let's say they start off so poorly. Our the our division, I say that as an Ottawa Senators fan, is it's just not going to get any easier. You know, Tampa Bay's better than them. Florida's going to be hunger, even hungrier this year. Uh unfortunately there's another team down the 401 which is pretty decent and and i think they'll be in the playoffs montreal's there this is not in the nhl oh christ but uh was shane right there like they could probably contend pretty well just him alone (laughs) yeah uh that's true yeah but so i don't know what do you think about boston I, i don't know where to kind of put this one here like i i don't maybe honestly it will be a change up top not bruce cassidy well, it'll definitely be Cassidy uh, leaving before Sweeney does, but I don't foresee uh, mm-hmm. I don't foresee any changes coming because it's they did just make it to the finals, you know, just a little while ago, uh, well, two seasons ago. But Cassidy does have like a good uh, sense of direction with like uh, usually with like their younger players that have come in, yeah. so. Uh, like honestly, Sweeney is one of the better coaches out there. He just needs, excuse me, a little more help from his general manager and getting him right players, not just filler players and guys who just like uh, aren't capable of playing at the NHL level and just can't progress or develop that well. Yeah, that's and that's the scary thing, right? Is is Boston is getting to a point where you know how are they going to replace Patrice Bergeron in the next couple of years? I mean, Char is going to be gone. That's going to be a leader gone. They just lost uh, Tory Krug to free agency. I mean, that's a pretty big name and and that's a, a pretty significant uh, guy to lose on the back end. And in my opinion, they didn't do it. So I'm fascinated to see how their season progresses. I agree with you. I don't think anything's going to change. So I think that it'll be something they probably look at in the off season. But I, if it is one of those longer seasons that goes 70 games, that's where things start to get interesting, you know? Like, I, you're right. Bruce Cassidy, no. But Don Sweeney, maybe in the offseason. So, yeah. Buffalo Sabres. Should we just skip the Sabres for the sake of the Sabres and say well, nobody gets fired? Like, you know, uh, Ralph Kruger's done a good job. Well, not a full season with them, but he's well-liked there. It's a big reason why Taylor Hall went and signed with them. I mean, he and has their uh, GM has... there is, uh, you know, Kevin Adams and everything, where he's just starting his first upcoming season. So obviously, nothing's going to change or happen there. Yeah, and I mean, even if they fired Ralph Kruger now, he'll have played sixty nine games with the team, which is nice. You know, it's a pretty nice number of games to have coached. <laughs> Calgary Flames. This Brad Tree Living, who was under some for some considerable pressure at times in the last two years as the GM during trade deadline days and improving the Calgary Flames and having them take the next step and having some big free agents even, you know, over the last couple of months uh, be available. Uh, so what do you think uh, about Tree Living and uh, their uh, and Jeff Ward as the coach? Well, I Calgary? think they'd have to take it up with his father, Dream Tree Jim Tree living on, you know, uh, Dragon's Den there and 
go yeah. about with his uh, opinions and how she's willing to help out the flames. But uh, no, I think for tree living, like he's done well. I think it's kind of in a situation now where the team has failed over and over again and not much development has happened where he, I, I think he kind of gets a, like a little vote of confidence for having like a reboot now. Like you heard throughout this offseason of all the possibilities of Gaudreau and Monaghan being traded and really blowing up the core and trying to change things up. Yeah, if, if that you know, it's kind of like with like Bergevin uh, with Montreal, where if that happens, you know, you, you kind of get a little restart button, you know, and you start fresh, and everything that had happened previously is done and gone, and you get like a three to five years now again sort of way. So I think yeah. Tree Living's fine there, and you know they remove the interim tag off their head coach there in Jeff Ward. So yeah, he's not being touched. Yeah, Ward Ward will be there for at least a couple years, and depending on how that goes, well play further on and everything and then carolina hurricanes they got don waddell at the general manager position and then they have rod brindamore at the coaching position i think these two right now are just untouchable with the direction that the carolina hurricanes are going i think it'll definitely be interesting with rod brindamore shout out to the odd one native um because you know two seasons done and sometimes you do see it where you go way was us sanders fans always or you know how we grew up and found out with under Brian Murray, you know, when you far exceed expectations, all of a sudden you have to jump the gears and get even better immediately and not, you know, not rush the progress. And, yeah. uh, but I could see a little bit with like, you know, with your Rod Brindamore, how it's like, you know, first season, they go all the way to the conference finals. And then this past year, they lose in the first round, you know? So yeah. it's just like, I, I definitely, they're both going to be sticking around, but I could see if it's like another first round playoff exit, then Brendan Moore will be really on the hot seat after that. I could see, but I think it's just a little difficult too. In like, really having your fans understand such a move, and Brendan Moore is you know one of the faces of the franchises, all or like all time face of the franchise a little bit, you know. Yeah, and then in Chicago we have uh, Stan Bowman, who has been around since two thousand nine. I mean. He's, he is part of the reason that uh, that organization did as well as they did early on in the decade. And their head coach, uh, Jeremy Col- Colleton, uh, who's been around for a couple seasons now. Yeah, youngest head coach in the league, if I'm not mistaken. I actually think you are correct, yes. Well, our editor can tell us that. Yes. I don't think that <coughs> Dean... I don't think that... I don't, I don't think that Dean Evison in Minnesota is younger, is he? Pardon? Dean Evison in Minnesota, he's not younger. No, Evison's been around for a while. Evison's been around for a while. Yeah, yeah, okay. So yeah, I I just think that um yeah, they have 56. full faith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, I totally mixed. I t- I think I mixed him up with a different guy, but I I think they still have faith in uh, in Stan Bowman uh, over there. It, I mean, he's been around for so long. I mean, so I don't see why. I know they, fans uh, are starting to that. fans are starting to get a little tiresome of Bowman and. A lot of his moves are a little more questionable nowadays. And yeah. I think you can see even a lot of their players are a little frustrated and seeing the lack of direction that they're going. Potentially, but I think that that is also the symptom of having won three goddamn cups in about <laughs> six or seven years and then going, well, why can't we replicate this again? Well, well, no, no shit, you're not going to replicate it again. All the guys that were just past their primes playing with the players in their primes that made 
the players who are past their primes better because they're so good. I'm talking about Taves and Kane making everybody else better. Of course that it's not you're not going to be able to replicate it again. You need a new youth movement. So, I mean, patience is uh, key for that team. And I just don't see anybody going anywhere this season. Maybe you're right about Bowman. Maybe if it's just a thing of image for them, they change it up next next offseason. But I, I just don't see much movement there. Yeah, and I give, like, vote of a benefit of the doubt to Kalidin where he had a yeah. shortened season and then a pandemic season. So he yeah, had, exactly. like he hasn't been given a full season in the NHL yet. So I'm sure he's good for even a couple more years, really. But I, I'd say yeah. at least now, maybe a little more pressure on Stan Bowman. But the fact, again, as I just mentioned about Carolina, um, how it's kind of like a little bit of like a reboot or restart and everything where it's like, yeah, yeah. You, know, you had what you did before. Now you have probably a couple seasons to try and replicate it a little bit now. Yeah. How about this? So this one's an interesting one, and I'm kind of fascinated to get your opinion on the Colorado Avalanche with Sackick as the GM and Bednar as the coach. I mean, they've been around for a while, those two, as a, as a duo. Uh, Colorado was touted to go to the finals this year and make it look kind of easy with their high-scoring offense, but they fell short, and it was not a convincing type of loss that they had like it was convincing the loss that they had because they obviously lost yes it was convincing but i mean more in the sense that they didn't look too good defensively at times against that dallas team that uh, that 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 got them out so i don't know what do you think is there a possibility for a change this season or in the upcoming off season for this team do you think people would believe us if we said that Bednar has been uh, long has been tenured longer with Colorado than Bruce Cassidy has with Boston. I don't know. I don't because when I when I looked at that Jared Bednar uh, stat, I thought Bednar's only been around for three seasons, but it's been five. Well, and he only got hired because Patrick Waugh quit on the team. Yeah, exactly. And and then Sackick's obviously been around since the start of that 2014-15 season. And yeah, you just you just kind of look at it and you go, well. I mean, where are the no, results? I see, uh, I, I see Joe Sackick being there for a very, very long time. I think it'll be very difficult getting him on the hot seat. Yeah, um, the coach, though. As for Bednar, I think... I, you know, I think the players really like him in there. I know, obviously, they've shown, like, you know, uh, the, the little heat and moments with McKinnon a couple times, but it's like, you know, you're all, like, obviously, you just happen to come across, like, the one time by having a little exchange and everything. And, of course, yeah. media loves pouncing on the negative uh, antics that go on, so they're just going to blow it up, make it sound even worse. Yeah, but exactly. uh, I think Bednar's got a couple more seasons at least and see what can happen next year. One thing, too, actually, is I can see, because Sackick is a very patient guy. Yeah, he like, is. Like, you know, like he hired Patrick Waugh as first head coach, and he left and he hired, uh, you know, Jared Bednar afterwards. But as an example of his patience, look at the Duchesne trade. Yeah. Like he was willing to wait over a year for a disgruntled guy, and he waited till he had like a good, firm offer to receive there. So yeah. I think Bednar is he's fine and everything. He's safe. Uh, you know, it's, it's just having to get a little more playoff experience and get the guys like – and, you know, they also face a few injuries as well against Dallas there. They lost Eric Johnson in the first game against Dallas. In game yeah. one of their uh, series matchup, but you know you uh, need a few lucky bounces here and there where you don't get guys injured and all. But uh, no, I, yeah. I think Bednar's fine there. 
For sure. And then, uh, yeah, our favorite uh, GM name in the NHL, the Columbus Blue Jackets in Yarmo Kekalainen uh, with uh, John Tortorella as the head coach. John Torts has been around there since uh, the 2015-16 season, so he's been around for a while. Yep. No, I think also, like, even Yarmo Kekalainen, I think he's going to be good for a long time. You know, like, yeah. what, what Finn doesn't let... Well, when a friggin' GM musters up impossible surnames to pronounce through any draft and any free agent signing that he can find. I swear, they're just yeah. like, if it's a free agent over in, like, Denmark and his last name is Syllable's four names, sign him. He'll be a future yeah. star for us. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But how about Torts? I know Torts just signed an extension quite recently. I yeah, believe so in the they're... last couple of years here. Um, yeah. The relationship think... must be good. Well... Actually, yeah, Tortorella did, but he's uh, Tortorella's going to the final year of his contract. But I think Tortorella's on. Well, Tortorella's getting up to sixty-two. He just turned sixty-two, so he's getting a little up there. But I, th- I think like vote of confidence is still there, considering their last two seasons have been yeah. like the most two, most rewarding in franchise history. Yeah. Okay. So I wouldn't send, and it definitely sounds like like Kikaline and Tortorella are a perfect fit for working with each other it's not like a uh oh crap whoever the gm was with the boston bruins in the 70s with cherry where they just completely butted heads there oh um, i totally forgot but uh tibet what do you think about columbus in their situation with their gm and their head coach oh yeah it's fantastic i love the direction they're going in and uh, i hope they they make a run in the future all right sounds good thanks tibet so the dallas stars jim neal with the dallas stars and uh rick bonus with uh as the head coach what do you i'm gonna say that those i'm gonna say that bonus is actually maybe untouchable but jim neal man like move after move after move yes they made it to the finals but let's be real how many teams actually go to the finals again the year after well i bonus is also getting up there in age too so it wouldn't surprise me because yeah yes he just had his uh, interim take removed but yeah yeah, he's definitely safe for this season coming up. I don't see him being a long-term fixture just because he is getting up there in age. Um, yeah. The only problem that's been kind of annoying with Jim Neal for the Dallas Stars is, yeah, yeah, he makes a lot of big-time trades. The biggest one when he first started with uh, acquiring Tyler Sagan. But after that, the amount of trades he made for players that were at the end of their careers and everything – like yeah. he, like he, like all the moves he's made over the past couple of years. Like when you look at the legs of like signing Joe Pavelski, signing Corey Perry, acquiring Andrew Cogliano, um, even acquiring Spencer. or even bringing in Ben Bishop there. Uh, God, I know there's at least one or two they can't Spencer. call right now. But he, like a lot of his trades were looking like a John Ferguson Jr. at the Leafs, where it's like, yeah, you're acquiring these well-known names that are just ten years past their prime and out of their elements now. Jason Spezza. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There too. Yeah. So I, I just see that constantly happening all the time. And like Jim yeah, Neal, like he did work under the uh, Detroit Red Wings with the, with that organization for 23 years before yeah. finally landing a general manager position with the Dallas Stars. But I don't think anything will happen with him anytime soon. But I would say that uh, he's definitely on the hot seat. Obviously, Stanley, well, Stanley Cup uh, finalist definitely gives a little vote of confidence, but now it's, it's, you know, it's a little bit of a, too much of a boost, maybe, you know? Yeah. 
So I'm going to just... The Detroit Red Wings are in an interesting position because it's evidently going to be another rebuilding year. I'm going to ask you this question. How soon until Steve Eiserman fires Jeff Blashill? Well, Blashill was just extended to a two-year contract <laughs> last year. I, I, um, I, I, think, uh, I don't think Eiserman's willing to fire him. I think he's just willing to keep him around until the team is ready to turn the page. So you think it's just one of those, let's have a guy in here and, and just it's going to be a shortened season, whatever. I guess we can shit the bed again the year after when all those superstars are available yeah, in the know, draft. And then after that, he's got one year left on his current contract, contract and then you're saying. you know you don't even have to fire him. Let him walk end of the uh, end of the season, and Eiserman can really be able to pick his first uh, his first coach that he wants uh, with the Detroit Red Wings there. Playing like a very big long game, but well, I mean, uh, and you never the, know, right? Um, like, yeah, hey, you know, we, we can hold on to Blashill here until whenever, and then we can get a better idea of what other head coaches are available. Because again, it's original six, the history with the Detroit Red Wings. You're in Motor Town, Mo, Motor Town, Motor City, Motor City, and yeah, uh, so... you know, it's a good good history there. That's quite. Uh, uh attractive to any free agent head coaches out there yeah and then how about uh and and this is i'm gonna be absolutely terrible trying this but how about uh the edmonton oilers the gm firing the defenseless i i can't do the rick flair quote but you know where i'm trying to go with this they just keep rolling through gms and head coaches like there's no tomorrow (laughs) and i just want to know how will we see more changes in edmonton because it's our favorite thing to look forward to every single year well, Holland signed a five-year deal, so I'm sure he's going to see the end of that and everything. So I think Holland's fine. Even if the team finished absolute shit and he traded some talented players away, he'd definitely be kept around still. <laughs> um, but I'm sure Dave Tippett, I think he has a vote of confidence despite last year's playoff performance against Chicago in the first, uh, little round-robin format there. But yeah. yeah, I think Tippett's fine there for at least another season and a half. Yeah, and I'm going to just say I think we think that with the Florida Panthers, Bill Zito, Joel Quenville, pretty untouchable. I'd say so. You know, like uh, obviously Zito because he just started there and he's very well liked in the uh, NHL offices. Um, You know, Quenville has a resume that speaks for itself, right? But, you know, you would think that Zito would be willing to keep him around. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, moving on to the LA Kings. I mean, they still have a very young GM and Rob Blake there. Uh, and uh, they have the interesting one is Todd McClellan is the head coach. How how long do you think Todd McClellan will be around uh, in LA if uh, they can't get things going again and get back into the playoffs? Well, I think that they've committed to a rebuild. So I think that they're fine with McClellan for a couple of years there. Have an experienced okay. head coach who can help out with the... Uh, like, you know, not not needing to look for immediate success, but when you have all these young... As we've... Uh, uh, you know, uh, we, uh, how we have explained in past episodes the amount of youth that the Kings are going to be having coming on board. Oh, you know, yeah. who are wanting to ride the throne. And... Huh. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. um, it, I think it's like, you know, it's good having, like, an experienced coach. Sure, McClellan's never won. He only made it to the... Uh, never made it to the finals. But he yeah. has a lot of history there, even with the Detroit Red Wings, right? When he was an assistant coach under Mike Babcock when they won the Cup. And t- oh, wait. 
sorry, he never won a head coach. He never won a cup as a head coach. He won as an assistant with Detroit in 08. Um, yes. But right. along those lines where here's a guy where he's been around so long and he especially saw the progress in San Jose and in Detroit of what it takes for guys to really develop and, you know, buy into the process of wait it out and then finally come about uh, doing well. So I'm sure, and Rob Blake, he's doing a really good job. I find him and Sackick, it's a little different because of where their teams are respectively right now. But I find uh, Rob Blake will be a lot like, uh, yeah, Blake will be like Sackick where he'll be, be patient. He's not going to rush things. He's going to want what he wants and everything. Yeah. And then I'm just going to, similar to Florida, I think that uh, the Minnesota Wild, they are obviously in a place where Bill Guerin is looking to retool and... Um, uh, Dean Evason is their uh, head coach, who ironically started on uh, Valentine's Day this past year. Only got through 12 games because of the pandemic, so I think we don't foresee him really going anywhere. Same uh, same with Billy Guerin. Actually, you know what's really funny? He has the exact mm-hmm. same record in the regular season and the playoffs. He went 8-4 in both. Wait, no, oh, sorry, yeah, that's wow. wrong. That's wrong. Cut that, no, cut that. That's a terrible stat fact. No, we're keeping it in. No. <laughs> no, it says career record. Oh, it's his career record. I see how you... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see thought it said playoff that. record, but I was like, wait, no, they lost to Vancouver in the round robin. Yeah, exactly. So they'd be out. But yeah, so that's that's kind of an interesting one. And then I, I don't think anybody shift. I don't think anybody budges there. I think we can maybe move on to Montreal and uh, maybe speak about their situation because I think it's a little bit more interesting there. I mean, they've had Mark Bergevin biceps club uh there since uh 2012 and then uh they have claude julien who by the way also started his second term as the montreal head coach on valentine's day just like dean evison but three years ago in 2017 so mm. what do you think uh what do you think about our biling our equipe bilang i uh, equipe bilang uh <laughs> no uh, no, I think Julian. I think the hotter seat is actually probably Bergevin's, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I think Julian. You know, they're liking there. He still has two years left on his contract, so they're fine with that. But I think it is. Uh, I think there, there's been a, little, a few murmurs out there of Bergevin really needing to see this team qualify for the playoffs and show some immediate success. Yeah. Uh, definitely and... getting it from the fans uh, up in the seats out there and throughout the well province, but. Um, yeah, I think Bergevin, he's he's getting along there in the hot seat. You know, it's a, it, it's a delicious poutine where it's nice and warm for you, but not in his case right now. Yeah, it's cooled off quite a bit, uh, so it's definitely going to be interesting to see where they kind of go there. But I, I guess very interestingly is, now I can finally say it, is the longest tenure GM in the uh, NHL on the National Predators. David Poyle has been around for quite a while. Uh, along with uh, his He's also like longest tenure to had never won the Stanley Cup either. I mean, you'd think at this point that that would maybe affect them wanting to get rid of him, especially if Nashville does struggle this year or fails to maybe even get past the first round again in like a five-game or five game series or well, something like that. Well, he's been in the NHL since 1972 and he's never won the Cup. Yeah, so it kind of it's kind of interesting. You'd think that Nashville would maybe want to shift gears soon, but... I don't know what to think about that well, one. Well, he's the only was... GM in franchise history. They don't know what to do for a general manager position. <laughs> well, I, you you think that they would have attempted change at this point. So I think we're going to be a broken record and just say, fuck it. They're not going to do anything. They're going to keep him around for the next 20 years and never win a cup because it's ha. natural. 
Well, I mean, he only he only has one eye because he went blind from a puck hitting him during a practice one time. Huh. So, yeah, that's right. You, know, you do as much as you can there. But um, they, they still think, feel uh, sorry for him. I think the bigger question mark, though, is definitely the head coach there now and John Hines, where, you know, wasn't favorable in New Jersey and never looked right with Nashville there, too, as things didn't quite turn around with some of their players. And you saw it in their playoff performance against the Arizona Coyotes as well. So. Yeah. I think it's definitely a little interesting because, again, John Hines is only the third coach in franchise history, so obviously only the third coach hired by David Poy as well. Bev- Poyle? Poyle as Poyle, well. Poyle, yeah. So, uh, I yeah, well, if anything, yeah, you'll see something happen to Hines before Poyle, but... Yeah, I mean, unless the organization just goes screw it next offseason and, and totally changes it around, you know? Uh, Although Poyle but... is 70 years old too, though. I... Like, he is getting up there in age, so could be as a way to see maybe, like, well, you know what, David? It's been 50 years, and you still haven't won a damn cup. Um, (laughs) You're also in your 70s now. (laughs) I mean, honestly, you might as well just put him in some type of advisory role so he stays in the organization for the next 10 years, and if they do win a cup, he can finally get a ring. But they should probably change that as soon as they possibly can after this year, I would say. Um New Jersey Devils, uh, Tom Fitzgerald, <laughs> and Lynn What Ruff. a rough one that is. All right, so moving on to the New York Islanders, we got Lou Lamorello uh, as the GM there, and uh, Barry Trotz, who uh, you know won the Cup with the Capitals a couple of years ago and uh, moved on to, uh, to to the Islanders, and has you know has has a pretty good record with the Isles, so. Going to be interesting to see what the how the Islanders take the next step and if uh, Lou can lead them that way as the GM as well. Well, so long as everyone's clean-shaved and they sit on top of all of his 1970s rules and everything. <laughs> well, It's the, the one team I, guess... I can ever work with is if it's with Lamariello because, unfortunately, <laughs> well, I don't, he wouldn't hire me because I look like I'm seven, like 12 years old if I'm uh, clean-shaved and... I'm not willing to shave twice a day, you know, to uh, stay within those guidelines. That's too much you know of a struggle Spencer? and way too much out of my own budget to keep up with the razors and, and soap and you all that. You know what? Well, hydro bills, probably. <laughs> to be, but to be honest with you, if you ever got into a second interview after Lou really liked you, if you showed up clean-shaven to the next interview, he would hire you on the spot. <laughs> Tell well, you that right now. That. <laughs> uh... Yeah, so I guess a team that's kind of... It was in an interesting spot this year, uh, kind of getting uh, Alexis Lafreniere uh, first overall after winning that uh, that dumbass lottery that the NHL put together. The New York Rangers uh, with Jeff Gorton and uh, their head coach, David Quinn. I definitely say uh, Quinn is on the hot seat, though. Yeah, I would say so as well. I think that if he can't get things moving this year, regardless of the fact that he has these young guys in there, I, I think that they're just going to get somebody new that's going to totally change the culture. And uh, Well, it's just like yeah. when you bring in so many of these young guys in net, Shesterkin and Georgiev on defense, you got Fox and D'Angelo and Truba now. Up yeah. front, you got Panarin and you got Kako and you got Lafreniere. Like these are, and you're having the, the Russian coming over. Crap. What was the Russian again? Oh, there's a couple. Can't I can't remember off the top of my head. But, uh, 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 it's like you already said Shesterkin, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. The Russian is. 
So it's from uh, Russia. Uh, wow, who would have known? Oh, Kravtsov. Okay. Yeah. So, so just for Quinn, it's kind of like, hey, you know, you you've had two years in the NHL now. Um, they got swept in the round. Only teams have gone swept in the round robin last year. But it's like you got two years in the NHL now of experience. Um, you got all these young studs and NHL proven elite players now too on your lineup. You better show some success, or else you're gonna find your ass kicked out of the door, and you will be even blocked from entering Manhattan Island. Yeah, so that's definitely going to be interesting. Um, oh, our editor-in-chief has apparently decided to go pick up his drugs. Uh, no, just kidding. And uh, I'm just going to quickly kind of fly through the next couple. I think with Ottawa, I think we know that Dorian and Smith, they're safe. Uh, there are, I mean, they're our beloved team, so we follow them. And just based on all the chatter we hear, it just seems like the team is moving in the right direction and they want to do it with this duo. Um, they're also cheap for Eugene Melnick, so I think we'll just leave it at that. And, uh, yeah, uh, do you agree with that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they'll yeah. be sticking around. Yeah, and then I think, honestly, I just looked through this GM list, to be honest with you, and I just look, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, uh, Fletcher with Philly is probably safe. A lot of these guys are pretty safe, I think, for this season, especially considering it's going to be hectic. But just guys that might be on the hot seat, in my opinion, after this season, depending on how the teams do. A guy like Rutherford, he just keeps trying to acquire forwards to stick in there with Sidney Crosby. Might they want to change the the mind at the top to try to win another cup with Crosby? Wilson's been around in San Jose a long, long time, you know? Uh, Doug Armstrong just absolutely failed to bring back Petrangelo. Yes, they replaced him, obviously, kind of. Uh, but, you know, how much longer does Doug Armstrong have there? Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, I think they're okay. Vancouver Canucks, I think Jim Benning's been there a while. Will they want to maybe make a change at the top and at the head coaching position? We'll see. Uh, Vegas, McCrimmon's safe. Capitals, I'd say uh, maybe Brian McClellan might be on the hot seat, depending on how things go. And then Shevel Dayoff has also been around. So I don't know if any names really stick out there for you on the GM side for some of those teams. I definitely say Kyle Dubas probably sticks out just because it's Toronto. You oh know, yeah, I forgot about them. That's well, right, the Toronto Maple Leafs. We all tend to attempt to do so and everything. Um, yeah. I think the biggest one's definitely Dubas, just because it's always a short lease in Toronto. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know what? That'll bite them in the ass. Just as a neutral hockey fan, just you know, taking away my dislike for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think that that would honestly bite them in the ass. I think that if they're actually patient with him, that it might pay dividends. Uh, but you know what, Toronto, you do you. I hope you fire him for the sake of no. Oh, and that's why I could totally see saying things like once Dubas is out there, who knows how long Keith will last as well with them. Yeah, but exactly. uh, you know, other than that, yeah, like they're all fairly safe out there. Shovel Day off is maybe a little interesting because he's been the only yeah. GM in this Winnipeg Jets uh, history thus far, so. He yeah. needs to start showing a little bit more success because, well, and even his head coach there and Paul Maurice too. I think Paul Maurice says maybe, maybe not this year, but I think no more than two years that nothing successful happens. I can see him being gone. Yeah, and that's definitely something. That's a name that sticks out for me with the remaining coaches, you know. Maybe another name that really sticks out for me. And this might be a duo change that we don't see this year, but... I don't know what you think about Rutherford and Mike Sullivan being the ones that that get the get the uh, 
get the whip and, and, and get kicked out because, yes, they had success together, obviously, the two of them, but might it be time with Crosby still having maybe seven, eight years remaining to try to do something with a new look, a, a new fresh, some fresh ideas to try to win one more, you know? Um, I don't well, know Rutherford how many times he can run 70, it back. He, Rutherford turned 72 in February, so he's getting up there in age as well. Can't take that many more heart attacks losing, you know? Well, exactly. That's when he'll be forced to stay at home to watch the games, and you know, then he can see what all the, the blackout effects are like for himself. But yeah. uh, and the same thing, I think like Sullivan too. Sullivan, I could potentially see that because at some point Rutherford, if he sees his trades aren't working, he's just gonna blame Sullivan, and he won't give him. Well, no, yeah, he has a very short lease because he just fired all, all of their all of his assistant coaches this past off season and lost to Montreal. Man, honestly, I don't I don't know how much. I, I think Sullivan has just uh, this year, and then that's it. Honestly. I think Rutherford only has this year. Like I, I might be with. I might be also thinking that they just might want a wholesale change if it doesn't work out in a shortened season. They might say, "Man, we have a shortened season here. Let's try to go win a cup, get into a rhythm." You know, Crosby and Malkin. They're not young, but they're not old. They can remain healthy in the playoffs. If we can't do it this year, we're gonna have to figure something out. You know, and it might just be a wholesale change. Well, they brought in their perennial defense and their via free agency. His initials are the same as his last name and Cody Cece. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> sac- sacrilegious, sacrame. But don't, yeah, don't no. Be. Other than that, uh, I think yeah, you're looking at fairly safe. Lows. Other teams are new coaches yeah. or not like a yeah. short leash and everything yeah. there. But uh, plenty of new coaches in the remaining teams there. Oh yeah, and but but even uh, like what the longest tenured coach in the league is John Cooper and. Funny enough, John Cooper was hired during the NHL lockout season back during the 2012-2013 season. Yeah, that's actually right. Holy crap. My God, he's been around for a while, eh? I remember he was he was hired then during that season. I remember Lindy Ruff was fired that year because Lindy Ruff was with the Sabres in the late 90s. I think like 97 as well. And of all years, he gets fired midway through a lockout shortened season. <laughs> Well, I mean, just looking at it, only two, three coaches have over 400 games with their current teams. Or no, 400 games in general. Um, So, yeah. Or, sorry, 400 games with their current teams. It's kind of crazy when you look at it. I mean, okay, uh, Blachille's one game away there, and Tortorella's about nine or ten games away with the uh, Blue Jackets, the record with that team. But it's actually kind of crazy to me when you think about it that there's such a lack of experience, you could say. So many new faces, as you mentioned earlier. It's kind of... Well, new faces in new cities. New I want to say the likes cities. of, like, you know, your Trots or your Quinville or new or... <laughs> yeah, you still get some of the old boys showing up once in a while, but there's definitely a movement that as the NHL has also gotten younger, so have the coaches because teams are evidently looking for new ideas with how to play these young guys, so... Well, I think it's yeah, also that... just somebody who's... Or even like a creative mind in this day and age of hockey and someone who's able to... Uh, like it used yep. to be, right? Like, if you're the head coach of the team, you weren't friendly with the players. You never. The only time you ever interacted with it was with them was like in the movie uh, Miracle during yeah. the 1980 Olympics there with Herb Brooks, right? Yep. Where, he's, where he's not there to really be like close friends with any of the players. He's going to be a hard ass on them and all. And... That, you know, it's just kind of also how, like, just the mindset of millennials and 
upcoming Gen Zs are. It's just that it doesn't fit the same diagram. It just doesn't lead to the same kind of success. Well, actually, like, prime yeah. example of that is honestly John Tortorella, you know? Yeah. Tortorella, I think he used to be a lot more of a hard-ass back in the turn of the century there, but then you yeah. saw what happened in Vancouver there. And yeah. since going to Columbus, I think things have really changed in his aspect, and he's changed quite a bit there. Yeah, it's almost like he became younger, and he did what Hollywood does. He drank the blood of youth, and he just became... Fountain uh, of youth. <laughs> Yeah, the fountain of, well, I, I, I made the, uh, well, we'll leave it at that. But, well, obviously uh, it's in Ohio but, because look at how many times we see LeBron James' hairline regrown back. Yeah, every time he's come back, it's gotten stronger. And then whenever he's left, you're right, it's totally gone away. So there's definitely <laughs> something in Ohio. We should probably, yeah, maybe we should probably go uh, go search in there or something. But yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, which predictions kind of hold true. I mean, unfortunately it's a hard time to do these types of predictions with the uncertainty of the upcoming season you know you kind of it's a cheap cop-out answer to say well obviously the gms will stay and then maybe some of the coaches will switch around but you know we try to also predict which ones might be on the way out after the season and and longer down the line so hopefully the fans look out for that right oh yeah well and you never know you could see another you know weird vicious attack of coaches and their past wrongdoings that had caught up to them and well yeah. you know you wind up like a babcock or a uh peters what was peter's first name that was a j something War not Warren. wasn't it bill it was bill yeah bill peters yeah well i mean i guess if we're gonna put it on anybody to have done that we could put it on some of the old boys it'll be a a vigno a sullivan a trots a rough Quenville, maybe who knows but yeah let's hope not i mean let's hope that uh if a guy's fired it's because of his performance and not what he said so or lack of performance yeah <laughs> yes exactly well yeah, next week's episode we will predict who the new head coaches and new gms will be for every single team um <laughs> jesus christ we're deep into the off season <laughs> oh yeah but we can end yeah, yeah i guess that that's it for uh for us I don't, uh, yeah, I think we can just leave it there. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah. Thank you all of our viewers out here for listening on into our episode here where we brought up all the discussions and thoughts of which coaches, which head coaches and which general managers are on the hot seats, which ones are fine for this coming up season, uh, upcoming season. Uh, thank you for joining in and listening, and we look forward to giving you more of our, uh, well, I don't know, Hockey insight. intel and insights to the upcoming everything. Yeah, as Spencer said, thank you for listening to Off the Tape episode 18. We hope you guys enjoyed it. And you can follow our socials at Off the Tape and listen to our podcast where podcasts are found. So iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, even YouTube. So go ahead and subscribe and give us a like. Hope you all have a great day, you beautiful people.